Hello everybody, it's Friday, November the 2nd. This is Brad Jankowski, I'm Christian Thwaites. I'm Emily Takenberts, and let's get started with this week's market chat. So, we've made it through October, Christian. No doubt it was a volatile month, a rough month for investors. Um, but this week we, we had a little bit of a bounce, but then um, today we fell again. One thing that we have been seeing, though, are these kind of late afternoon rallies. And I'm wondering if you're, is this, are, is this investors saying, hey, um, I want to try to buy right now and get back into the market? Or um, is, this, is this volatility going to continue? I think, well, there's two things. I think um, we're seeing um, a lot of intraday change. And actually, the pattern for most of October was strong openings and weak closings. Although recently, last week or so, there's been stronger uh, um, closes in the last hour or so. I don't think this means an awful lot. I think uh, now there's, there's an awful lot of trading we've discussed here, high-frequency trading, algorithmic trading, rebalancing trading, uh, risk parity trading, ETFs, of course, that I, I'm just not sure if it's, um, if it's a big enough meaningful signal. But I think that generally investors are looking recently now for ways to get back in. Uh, and I think especially after October, we should never discount that the fact that at the end of the month, some very big portfolios rebalance. So they would have seen equities down, you know, eight, nine percent, bonds down one or two percent. That would have brought their equity target allocations down. They'd have done some rebalancing. And so I think in the last couple of days, uh, since Wednesday, well, here we are talking Friday afternoon, I think there's been some of this kind of looking to get back in at the right levels. Mm -hmm. uh, October was a, a bad month across all asset classes, and you wrote about this in the blog. But what does this mean when, when all asset classes are hit like this? Yeah, that's, that, that's right. And we actually we go into more detail in the blog. So, uh, but, but I think, to me, it means that uh, everybody's acting in the same way. It's not triggered by uh, a fear that earnings are about to collapse or that some big bank is about to go bust. Because if that was happening, you would see markets move from, say, stocks to bonds or from uh, momentum mm -hmm. to defensive. Um, and obviously, we talk about the fear trade, where the minute you see a big collapse in confidence, you automatically see a rally in treasury bills, the Swiss franc, the yen, and for those that think that it has any safety quality gold. And we haven't seen any of that. So that tells me that it's much more driven by the kind of things we talk about in the blog, which is, look, we had a few lazy remarks by Powell and the president regarding a trade, which got people upset. There was the geopolitical thing. I think the Saudi Arabian uh, killing of, of the journalist was, if it happened really in a country, it would have been equally sad but not as much uh, headline or economic fallout. But the fact that it's coming from Saudi Arabia with its swing vote and, uh, and, and power in OPEC and oil and, and, uh, and sort of heft in the, in the Middle East um, is, you know, is made it a much bigger deal. And then we talked about you know, some trades that were getting unwound because they'd done very, very, very well. So it was a combination of these things 
which just have suddenly triggered, you know, a sell-off. But, you know, I always find that it's best to step aside when these things happen because there isn't a big fundamental change in news. We all know where the economy is. We all know where the rates are going. We all know what company earnings are doing and what they're likely to do. But I think it's a little bit of a lot of these things coming together, triggered by a few inept remarks and a few, if you, uh, you know, uh, one-off events, and then and then it kind of spirals, and uh, and that's what we saw in October. Mm-hmm. Speaking of kind of fundamentals, you know, foreign uh, international has had its um, has had a has a bit of a rough time this year. But where do we see international? I mean, last year this time. Uh, we were looking at the fundamentals and we were saying that they were very good in mm-hmm. inter- international. And so we know that there have been some headwinds for the strong dollar, um, the trade uh, disputes, as well as kind of rising interest rates. Um, but where do we see international now and, and what do we see going forward? Yeah, I think, um, you know, last year was the story of great synchronized growth. And then this year it's a story of. Uh, you know, peak U.S. growth and then slowing, and then some of the synchronization not kicking into into gear. And I think primarily, uh, I I would lay it at the door of the trade talks because even though we've discussed here the numbers, uh, you know, in absolute terms may not be very big. They they've upset I think a lot of the expectations, and that's affected certainly Canada and Mexico, and those seem to be resolved, and the EU, which is sort of in a back seat right now, to the front seat being taken by China. So I think, I think it's a combination of that plus some of the political upsets we've seen in in uh, in Europe. You know, Italy was, you know, banging on the door of the EU with a higher budget deficit request, and then at the same time, Germany's local elections took a lot of, uh, you know, power away from the incumbent um, uh, chancellor. Um, so there's a number of these things which have just sort of, you know, suddenly clicked together. And I think international is always cheaper than the U.S. It's just a question of how cheap it can get. And growth tends to be uh, less in Europe than the U.S., higher in Asia than the U.S. So you kind of balance, you know, what where those are going and what kind of opportunities they have. So, yeah, we still like, I think, a, you know, international. It's had, a, it's had a sell-off. You'd expect it to sell off more than the U.S. It also rose a lot more than the U.S., especially in 2017. So I think, you know, we, we take some of those at the margin, some of those overweightings off the table, but uh, certainly not come out of international um, at this point. Do we see uh, it stabilizing for now, or do we think that there's more pain ahead? That's a good question. I mean, I, 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 I would be, I, I would like to think they would stabilize, and I say like to, because I think, I think they will, but, uh, you know, there is, there is the sort of uncertainty of what's going to happen post the elections. Um, the I think some of the big news coming out of Europe now is is sort of fairly well baked in. So we know the political landscape's not not that great, but I can't see it getting any worse. Uh, you know, the, the third quarter earnings are in, and they've they've come in reasonably well. So I think that we I think we're sort of in a period of stabilisation. What about the U.S. economy? Uh, what do you see growth doing? Do you see it slowing? Um, yeah, I think we're we're certainly not talking about a recession of the magnitude of 0809, God forbid, or or anything like even 0102. I think we're talking about recession for those that remember us sort of like 91, 92 is more in the growth recession mode. I, I think I think we're not going to see the technical definition of recession, which is too 
subsequent consequent uh, sequential quarters of declines in real GDP. So you'd have to come off a growth rate which was around four percent in the second quarter, three and three and a half in the third quarter, and is likely, although we're only sort of a month into it, to be about two and a half percent in the fourth quarter. So I can see all those rolling off to let's say we come in at three percent, just over three percent for the year for twenty eighteen. I think we could, you know, come down to one and a half too. It might feel like a recession, but it won't be a technical recession. So it's all about, you know, rolling off from higher levels, all to do with the tax, uh, the front end loading of the tax uh, tax, tax cuts, um, rather than an outside, an, an, you know, outside recession. And I come and I say that with some conviction because, you know, as we've discussed many times here, the post two thousand and eight uh, growth was weak from the get-go. I mean, it, it, it barely made it above 2% mm -hmm. on an annual basis. There were quarters when it was higher, quarters were lower, but it never made it more than 2%. It was the weakest recovery from a recession that we've ever seen. And so, you know, weak recovery, weak recession is kind of how I see this one going. That's interesting. Um, we have some job numbers today. Can you explain, uh, you know, what we saw and uh, and what does it mean? Well, it's a good number. It's two hundred and fifty thousand, I think. Uh, se September was revised down. August was revised up a bit. So really, no change. Um, it's a bit. It, it is definitely a good number compared to September. But I think uh, we mentioned in the blog again this week. I think you know September and October slightly distorted by when the two hurricanes hit. Uh, in the Carolinas and below that, so um, it's a it's a quirk of the way the Bureau of Labor Statistics calculates whether you're in a job or not. If you're if you're weekly paid uh, or s monthly paid, then uh, it wouldn't affect the payroll numbers. But if you're hourly paid, the only question they ask, which is relevant, is where you paid last week. And if you are if you had a job but weren't able to get to it, or you were digging out your house or preparing for the rain, and you're on an hourly wage, you wouldn't have lost your job. But you, from the from the BLS's perspective, you weren't in the workforce that week. So that I think has uh, affected some of the way the numbers are. But look, they're good. I think the uh, the trend is two hundred thousand jobs right now. That's about that's that's about okay to keep the unemployment numbers steady, if not falling a little bit. Um, so I think they've, they've generally been, been okay. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, so what about wages? Ah, yeah. Well, <laughs> we had, uh, you know, and it, it's, we saw this in, we saw it in Bloomberg, the FT, and they talked about, you know, hourly, uh, average hourly earnings in, uh, you know, which come out with the job numbers at above, growing above 3% and fastest since 2009 and uh, sort of. And it's like, hang on a minute. <laughs> this is one number. We've, we've been clicking along at about 2% increase in average hourly earnings. And this is average. So that can be distorted by the top 10% of people getting a 5% uh, 
growth and the bottom 90 getting zero or minus one, the average will still come out around about two or three. So I think it's, it's a little misleading to think that you know uh, earnings are on sort of upward trend. And early in the week, we saw a much better number for this, the employment cost index, which not only looks at hourly earnings, but how much people actually earn. And we've talked about here, it might be very good if your hourly earnings go from $27.30 to $27.60, which is what they did in the last year. But if your hours are cut uh, or you're working less, it, it's not more more in your pocket and i and for the for the employment cost index we saw that the numbers in real terms are only up about 0.5%. So so basically i think you know wages and compensation for everybody are keeping up with inflation just just i mean it's it's very razor thin it's you know and that's only very recently and uh, but for a lot of people within that average, it's it's almost zero uh, wage growth. But you know, I I'm in the minority on this. Some people think that wages are coming, wage growth is coming fast because of the low unemployment rate and the demand for labour. But you know, we'll see. I still think that uh, uh, generally employees have a lot less bargaining and um, power and uh, and control over their wages in aggregate in pockets. Sure, they do in places like mm -hmm. Silicon Valley, but mm -hmm. but in on average, uh, I don't think there's a lot of upward wage pressure. Could be wrong, but I don't think I am. <laughs> so coming into the end of the year, should we expect more volatility? Yes, and I think we've got to remember that uh, 2017 was, you know, w w w was a year of very very low, unusually low volatility, and all we're seeing is back to what stock market volatility was in the 80s and 90s, and that's. That's absolutely fine. Uh, I think I remember that you, that um, the it, in something like equities, you're going to see uh, you know a lot a lot more volatility as as more sort of uncertainty comes in, into the fore, and a long period of quiet volatility that we had um, up until February this year is is very unusual and actually not very healthy because it implies that there's just a wall of money hitting the stock market in the form of indexes or ETFs, and it's indiscriminate about what, mm -hmm. what stocks they're actually underlying buying. So I'm hoping there's more discrimination on those stocks. And actually, stock volatility is less than index volatility. And I'd rather see stock volatility come up, uh, and which, which implies that people are digging into the numbers and, and the stocks and the earnings a bit better. Well, thank you very much, Christian. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you, everybody. And here's a disclosure. Please note the discussion of investments, investment strategy, including our research investment process, represents our investments, investment strategy at the status commentary. Subject to change without notice, we cannot assure that the type of investment discussed in this commentary will outperform any other investments uh, in our future. Nor can we guarantee that such investment will present the best or attractive risk-adjusted investment in the future. This is for general informational purposes only. Reference to an individual security should not be considered as a recommendation to buy or sell that security. The securities mentioned in this commentary only several of the successful and unsuccessful investments buyers do not represent all the securities you have purchased or the recommended, although we deem reliable sources of statistical information referred to in this commentary, we cannot guarantee the accuracy of the completeness or statements of numerical data, past performance, no, no indication of future results.